Welcome everyone to The the Point with me, your host, Jeff Spikes. I'm grateful to be here, excited to see everybody, and I'm gonna dive right into it today. I've got a topic today that's a follow-up of a previous um, topic we picked, which was, we are not our strategies. And one of the places I move on next to that is a topic that, um, I guess it's a, to- it's a topic, it's, it's more of what I talk about in the beginning of um, a class or, a, or a, a talk I'm giving or anything else, but um, where I present the idea that everyone has a right to be their own worst enemy. And so if, if that's true, that everyone has a right to be their own worst enemy, then I have that right, you have that right, Everyone you know and love has that right. And really, it may just be true that we are. So it, one of the ideas is that it levels the playing field. No matter where we are in, in an organization or in a group or in a family, it's a human ability to get in our own way. It's also a human, in our human ability to never miss an opportunity to kick our own butts. Well, which is not a great strategy either, but it, we oftentimes we never miss an opportunity, which is one of the reasons why I believe in not making opportunity to jump on the bandwagon of beating someone else up. Uh, I presented that today in the way of, of an idea of karma, but let's get to this first. I, so we're gonna talk about how we all have the right to be our own worst enemies and how that plays out, how we can prevent that, some, some real, um, some real solid, fairly efficient in that it takes a little time, but it works really smoothly, right? It takes a minute to click sometimes, but it works really smoothly if we stick with the idea. And I think that how quickly it works is how much we have to unwind. So if you have very little to unwind and you're able to let go easily and effortlessly, you're able to release the things that aren't working for you. You're able to visualize and understand that the calling out of something, the wanting of something is oftentimes acknowledging the lack and therefore calling forth the lack and not having. Um, You know, we do that a lot of times in relationships when we bring, you know, let's just talk about our ex in a relationship. Let's talk about what happened 20 years ago with someone, and let's, well, I, I, I'm very reactive and cautious to what's happening, what happens, so don't do that because it really triggers this, and those are, those are great, right? But why call forth that as an opportunity? If we've, what if we glean the lessons that we need from that event, whenever it was, move forward with the lesson and not the hurt and not the pain, right? And we help our clients with that, and our clients clear those things and, and we disconnect the pain and the emotion and the guilt and all, all the things that are connected to those events so we can look at the events differently. And we move forward with the lessons instead. So if we're actually doing that, we're moving forward with the lessons, then we don't need to call forward whatever it was that was happening that's doesn't, that we don't need to get into anymore. So it's, re- it's, it's a challenge, right, to stay that current. If we're good at doing that, then it moves a little easier. If there's a lot to unwind, there may be a little bit, it may take some repetition and some, over, and some having to do it, but it works nonetheless. So um, 
you might be able to release and move forward in one event and never look back. And you may need to dis, you, you may need to repeat something two or three times. Both are okay. Uh, something that I learned and maybe finally sunk in uh, in the last six, seven years is the idea that as long as I know where I'm going, as long as I know the behaviors I'm, I'm involved in, well, the, the activities I'm doing, the behaviors I'm in, get me closer to where I want to be and, and basically put me in the zone of, of the life I want, then does it really matter how long it takes? You know, some results aren't a, aren't a fixed target. You know, money in a bank isn't a fixed target. Weight is not a fixed target. We fluctuate weight based on salt and water. So those things are moving targets, and they, we can go through a lot in our minds with that until we don't. So when we have moving targets, there's a natural fluctuation to it. We just get into a really healthy fluctuation and choose optimal and choose increase or choose improvement. And then if it doesn't really matter if it, if it work, if it, how long it works. That there's a lot of talk. There was a book written about the 1% a day improvement. If we can make 1% a day improvement, the percentages over a, the course of a year is significant. And it's a huge amount of improvement in one year. So, okay. We all have the right to be our own worst enemy. There are th there's a couple of key ways that we know when we're not living and operating out of our greatest selves and our, and our best strengths. And we're going to get into that for a touch. Um, one of the ways that we know that, that we can clue into and, and get a trigger that we're not working in our greatest strengths is if it's painful. If it feels, if, if it feels like a grind. I've heard probably 12 times, maybe 15 times this week, um, I've heard it over and over. That, And it's been mostly with the strategic thinking themes and the Clifton strengths. And I've been doing a lot of... Clifton Strengths workshops, but it's people with strategic thinking are saying, man, that's why it's so difficult for me. And so, and it's a grind and it's so hard and it's so difficult. And there's this thought process that says, if we're strong, if it's our strength, if we're good at it, why does it take so much hard work? the things that are naturally that we're naturally the best at don't need to be that hard of work once especially once we've leveraged our our skill or, and worked in our talents therefore creating skill and then leveraging that skill now practice can be a lot can be work but if we're practicing in our greatest self if we're practicing and experimenting and then practicing with different ways of exercise, of moving forward, different ways of, of thinking and being in different circumstances. It can be fun, especially when we're making headway. Worst case scenario, it feels a little bit tedious at times. But if we're working within the realm of our passions and things that excite us and goals and, uh, that we want to accomplish, 
we get a pretty quick sense of momentum that starts happening and we and we get more out of our way and then the more we get out of our way the more motivated we are so how do we create that ball rolling where we feel more motivated and more excited about overcoming obstacles because we begin to be clear and understand that they're simple to overcome they're only as big as we're making them which is us being our own worst enemy now there are some real challenges in the world i don't want to discount or belittle anyone that has a hardcore challenge um, and i'll face any of them with you but i really want to think about i really want you to, to, to challenge you to think about and tell you my experience is that even with the big big bad things in the world that have happened around me it was still how i was thinking about it that was increasing its weight its size its of the problem it was still the way i was framing it and when i was able to come back from that i was able to see a better difference so one of the ideas is making is creating an intentional delay and I, I one of the biggest things that keeps us is that we get into reaction so when we get into reactive thought and we're not paying attention to our true sense of response or or reaction to something and there's a lot of reasons not to listen to our initial thought which aren't and there's no good reason but there's a lot of reasons why we do strategically and end up one in a strategy than in our natural self which is how we are not our strategies or we end up being um our, creating our own obstacles because we're working in strategies that aren't that natural to us and there's a lot of reasons why we go there but one of the things that we, is that we get into self-judgment you ever have a bad gut check on somebody you meet someone new and you think "Ooh, this person's funky i don't there's something i don't like there's something that doesn't feel right around this person and we have then some other thoughts a common thing i hear back from people when they have that type of thought is either i'm getting the hell away from them i don't want anything to do with them i'm out or it's always an extreme and what i hear mostly is the two extremes maybe that's just what's worth sharing in a in a group um, or that's what most people choose to share and if they don't have an extreme they don't tend to share it but you know the other extreme is oh don't think that that's not right that's not nice give people the benefit of the doubt you shouldn't do that so we're in self-judgment in the first case we're judging someone else off of an off this initial response and in the in the other case we're judging ourselves and disc and then discounting ourselves and saying well don't listen to that putting it away and then falling into strategies and then if we fall into strategies and make a reaction from an unresourceful place that's that's and we're not within certain standards and we start and we cause a problem then we're fixing a problem that was caused by a problem that was caused by a reaction and by us not listening and honoring whatever our response was so there's a chain of events um as we get into this flow and we're not going to dig too deep into that without a whiteboard but um and i do typically whiteboard this or um, bring up pictures and slides um, when i'm in, in an audience but it's it's an interesting flow most of us are working in between this reactive place that that reaction and all the problems created by reactions were somewhere more productive than that this ball of fury that we create um, and in a productive 
self-improved, self-aware place, but we're, we're the few, where the few are. And many of you listening are here because I'm working with you and we're in this awareness and we're causing the delays or the pauses in life to really consider what's happening. We are in a place where we're open to listening a little bit differently because between the rea- the event that happened and the reaction that we have that's a strategy, there's goodness, goodness knows how many thoughts there are in the middle. We, we counted today in a workshop, we counted six or seven very quick thoughts that happened within a millisecond that um, had one person in a complete strategy rather than listening to what, they're, what they had initial thought Um, and they didn't want to think that thought because they were judging it and they were wanting to play nice and so the point being is that if we first realize that the only thing our first response our very 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 first that we barely can recognize very first thing that that we react in in an event is only information. We might have put that away and stopped listening to it when we were younger because we were told to stop because it was because someone was trying to teach us something like be more productive, be more be less judgmental, don't judge a book by its cover. There's a million reasons not to do that, but um, in many cases we learn to put that away and that becomes a devaluing experience for your for you. What happens is you begin to devalue yourself by not listening and paying attention to that, whatever that gut check was or that initial thought was. Because the initial thought might not have been what you judge as nice. It might not have been um, anything related to what you want. But if we, and, and and actually in that case, if we're living by certain standards, the standard could mess us up. So it's important that we're valuing ourselves and in a good place with ourselves of trusting ourselves and and learning from our experiences in life so that we don't allow you know external standards to affect us in a way where we devalue ourselves and that I know that's pretty deep that's like like I, I just went heavy and deep but um, take a deep breath and just breathe into letting that in if you need to um, <clears throat> It is really normal to not be aware of the 15 thoughts that we're having in between first seeing, feeling, or hearing something and our actual reaction that we own and say, oh, that's what I think. Um, So again, our very first initial reaction is only information. If it's an emotion, it's just information. It doesn't mean it's right. It means it's information. So our emotions and some of those initial thoughts that come with it are delivery mechanisms delivering us a message from our unconscious mind. So, and I don't want to, I'm not going to be in a conversation with this about where we deliberate and converse and go back and forth between different spiritual walks and different belief systems and theologies and other things because that's not the point. The point is is if we just 
if we just understand and imagine how intense our unconscious mind is, or our subconscious mind, or what I like to call our superconscious mind, it's always working. Then it doesn't. It doesn't. There's no judgment over where our unconscious mind chooses to store it. Think about one of the most intense dreams that you've ever had. I've had dreams where I'm on like the 37th floor of this big building that is also a forest, that is also a water park, and there's a house in the middle of the floor, but and there's a curb all the way around the edge, but in between that curb and the house, which also has a curb, is nothing but water going to a waterfall, which feeds the water park. And there's sharks in that water that for some reason don't go over the waterfall <laughs> and <laughs> because there's no, you know, there's no rocks. It's not like a, anyway. And my job is to jump in that water and swim across to the house and I have to get there without going off the waterfall. I never get in the water. I never make it to the house. I just know that's my task. And somewhere around there, I either move on or I wake up and I end up in a different part of the dream. But that's some intense imagery and visualization my unconscious mind is having all kinds of fun with that so it doesn't have to make sense right our unconscious mind could use a past life or could use a generational um, situation to hand something down to us our un our unconscious mind can use the future can use an alternate dimension and, you know things that if we told people that it was a real thing in our life, they might say we were crazy. It doesn't matter. So if our unconscious mind, if, if, the, if whatever's happening in our, in our conscious, unconscious self has a gut reaction when we meet somebody that they're not safe or there's something off with them or we just don't like it and we ignore it, we're not able to get the same learning from that delivery mechanism. We're not able to accept what's being delivered most of the time. And we want to be able to do that. So it's important to remember if we're going to do this that we're always at choice. And part of this is remaining at choice. Choice and freedom, right? We lose our freedom to these subjective ideas of shoulds and shouldn'ts. And we debilitate our most innocent reactions to a situation and disregard because it's because of appropriateness or because or of anything else or we overreact because of it and listen and a lot of times people who do the overreact they say oh no that's my first that's my really my first response and i oftentimes find most of the time very i don't think i've ever found it actually that that's just not true that's just what they think because they're so strongly motivated to just act fast and be you know i'm done um <clears throat> And in which case, that can be judgmental. People say, I don't care. I have a rule, and this is what I do. So, you know, being too firm on a standard, if it's stopping us from hearing and listening to what all the universe has to share with us, then that, that could be a miss as well. But again, that's okay. We're not talking about these things as failures we're talking about these things as feedback so all right as, as we move through this we start to realize that one of the one of the it's not a shortcut really but one of the optimal ways that we can start looking at this is to 
add a delay anytime that we're having a response. Because the, the other side of what happens is, in, and if you remember back to, or if you go back to one of the episode where we talk about we are not our strategies, you go down and think about that reaction we're having, and oftentimes that's a trained reaction. If somebody's not listening to us, we tend to raise our voice. If our kids aren't listening to us, we raise our voice. Now, that's not everybody, but it's a commonality in our society that if we're not being heard, we get louder. Getting louder is not typically the best way of be- being more heard. It's oftentimes what's the way it's being received, and we can say it as loud as we want, and all they're going to hear is the same thing louder that they already weren't understanding or receiving the way we meant it. So that's moving into a strategy. Oftentimes when we're doing that, we might hear other things in the process that are clues and ideas of how to communicate better with somebody. But we think, well, that's not okay because this strategy is what works and this is what I was told to do. And I was told I was being too nice or I was told I was being too accommodating or I was told, oh, you know, the customer's not always right, you know. (laughs) And it's like, whoa. The world is full of opposites that are true because the customer's always right. And in many cases, they aren't, right? So we could go down that on another, on another podcast when we get into what um, service, what real high-end customer service looks like and even better, what service recovery can look like in an optimal situation because that's a whole nother trip. Um, so we want to listen to our first reactions and responses and, and our gut feelings and our senses. We want to really be good about engaging all of our senses so that we can hear everything that, our, that we're gathering, that our unconscious mind and conscious mind are gathering, and we can glean all the lessons and so that we can have the best responses. So oftentimes having a delay built in anytime we feel a trigger where we want to react in some way that is negative or that is justified or that is necessary, right? There's there's some of those triggers. We can put a delay in and wait till the next morning. This is really good for people that are used to sending out emails reactively. They read something, they pop back an email, and then they realize they read it a little bit wrong. If that's you, this is a good example. Taking, waiting till the next morning to respond to an email is oftentimes the whole email changes. Um, so, okay, so there's a couple of things. Now, key elements of how we know that we're misusing our strengths or we're in, or, or we're in a, a situation where we're um, not in alignment with our greatest self. Um, there's a couple of different clues that we have. One is when it's a grind. When we're having to turn up the volume and that's not comfortable. Who loves to turn up the volume? Who loves to get aggravated enough to have to raise our voice and get more serious? At some point, we get, what do we get, angry enough that we're pointing our finger in someone's face and saying, you better. You know, that's effective. That's <laughs> ineffective. So my drill instructor did it really well, but in our, in our true interpersonal relationships, that's just not the most effective tool in the box. And it really only works in critical situations, emergency situations, where absolutely necessary. Um, I can think of a few situations. We don't need to go down that road, but 
I really think you know there's there's better ways to make sure that anything that we have to communicate gets received, you know, outside of of emergencies. So um, <clears throat> another way. Um, so that's one. If it's a grind, and if we're having to live outside of our nature, and it just man, why is this happening? Another one is when we find ourselves making excuses that oh, because of my strengths. Well. I took this assessment and it says that they're all strategic themes. I've heard 12 to 15 times this week. Um, and and I, I, by this week, I really mean last week and Monday. So, um, but so about over the past week, um, I've heard 12 to 15 times that people with different types of strategic themes in the Clifton strengths are like, well, look at me. I, I have to do this. This is why I do these things. If you find yourself saying that, you're thinking from a deficit position. You're not thinking from a positive um, strengths position. You're thinking from a deficit position. Well, look, I have to do it that way. Anytime we're out of choice, we're working from a deficit. So that's another way we know that we're not in our strengths. Because in theory, if we, if we look at, in Clifton strengths, if we look at taking the talents within the themes, you know, the strengths, everything we call strengths are the themes, we, the sentences that are written and some of the information that comes in the report within that theme are where we look at the talents. And we can really mine the talents. We can also, in Designing Your Strengths, there's these brainstorming worksheets. We can also mine our talents out of these brainstorming worksheets. Organically, from people we know and love and from questions we ask ourselves, inner queries and queries to people we know and love. Um, so there, there's, there's many ways of starting to gain this information. So if we're, if we're clear on what our strengths are and they become an excuse as to why we're doing something, then it's, it's not working. We're coming from that deficit. If we take the talent and then utilize that talent in a way that we become stronger with it and we start understanding the timing and we start really getting good at using it, then, you know, it's finals right now in the NBA. So I, I would... I would compare that to, you know, running and dribbling at the same time, right? For those of you that don't know what dribbling is, bouncing the ball and walking. Do that, right? It take, that takes some practice to get good at that. And it, it's not even about being practiced. It means doing it naturally so that it just becomes part of what you do. So you could do it as naturally as you do when you walk, right? So if we do that with our strengths and with our talents, they become skills that are automated and then there's not the same issues. And we're not having the same grind. And now, where we might have had an excuse where we're like, well, that's why I have to do this. And it becomes, oh no, I exact, know exactly how to do this. And I know when to push forward and when to hold back. But some people have strengths where like, why would I ever hold that back? Why would I ever not be an achiever? And everything there is with an achiever. Well. Because achiever means something in the dictionary, and in that framework it means something in the assessment, and it also means something related to all your different strengths. But even so, there are times not, as an achiever to not worry about achieving. Or at least to change the framework of what we're trying to achieve. It doesn't always work well in a relational, inclusive environment, especially if you're competitive. Right? So if we, if, we, if we put a highly competitive achiever, then it becomes a little easier. So I can see why I would put, put that away. Because you know, not, everything's, not everything's a competition. So 
And it's not about putting it away, it's about knowing when to use it so that when it's used, it's most valuable. You know, we tend to throw out our best all the time and then wonder why people disrespect it or don't respect it. So there's the, that's the third thing. When we're, when we're showing up in what we think is our best self and we're not feeling the respect coming back from that, then again, we're out of, something's not aligned in our, in our giftings. Something's not quite right. So those are the three key things of how we know when we're not in alignment. As far as being, and, and we can stay out of being our own worst enemy by using those as triggers to take time, to, take, to add a delay in our behaviors from in, this, in the time between a thought and a behavior to ask ourselves the question of what are the other thoughts, sensations, and feelings and ideas I'm having because the sooner we begin to honor any little inkling of a thought or a feeling, as soon as we begin to value ourselves in that process, we begin to hear, begin to listen, and have more information, and things get easier, and we end up in, we end up having less problems. Because if we can, if we can optimize our understanding. What happens is, uh, thinking about visualization and how that works in, in designing your strengths, that's one of the steps we go through, is this visualization process. And if we're visualizing our best self, and if we're visualizing the outcomes we want to receive, if we're visualizing the way of being that we're wanting to experience and that we're wanting others to experience us, if we're, if we're really thinking about that idea of who we choose to be, over time we live in that sensation, in that emotional frame of resourcefulness more and more and more. So if we're fluctuating, if we're fluctuating in and out of a resourceful sense and we're feeling anxiety, we're feeling pressure, we're feeling flooded with emotion, feeling any of those things, we can put ourselves in these states where we're listening more, we're pausing more, we're taking some delays. It's kind of like, I used to call it slowing down to speed up. We're able to increase our ability to be alert, conscientious, and on point with all of the ways of being and not a skewed in an overinflated ego, but really balanced, centered, and in a solid way of being that we choose and that's connected to our standards and that does value everything that we bring to the table. And the best way we can do that is valuing those initial, most innocent responses to anything that happens in and around us. As soon as we honor those ideas or those experiences, those sensations, those feelings, those thoughts. And I, I, it's fun to count. As soon as we start honoring those, we start listening more, we start understanding a different sense of value in ourselves and the information that's coming in, we become more perceptive, we become more aware of ourselves and others, and we become more clear on how to behave in a way that's consistent with all of our standards and values. That is a much better emotionally regulated way to live than um, rushed or hurried or busy or <clears throat> emotional or, or, or anxious um, 
and it works. So um, we all, again, continue to have the right to be our own worst enemy. It's not necessary to stay there any more than you know than you find yourself there. Like it's it is okay to minimize being our own worst enemy. It's even what would happen. Consider if you learned to be your best advocate. I'll end on this. We did some parts work. I did some parts work a number of years ago, and I used to think that I had an inner saboteur. I used to think one of my parts was this king of sabotage, and that I, I had this part of me that just loved to step up and say, we're not going to do that. And I had some really valuable feedback come back. The feedback I got doing parts work with a coach, um, I'd hired a, a coach, and they were taking me through parts work, and we did some really intense, it was, it was kind of fun, but it was intense too, and we laughed so hard during the process. But even though it was kind of emotional and intense, it was so funny. And you know, one of the things was when I really connected with that part of myself that I thought was sabotaging, I was like, man, I'm not, a, I'm not, we're not sabotaging, we're your champion. We're saving you from failing. We're saving you from getting in over your head on something and feeling like you can't get it done and then falling into a depression and blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, well, thank you, right? <laughs> All, that, was, that ended up not being that difficult to reframe <laughs> and start being a risk taker and talking to the champ and saying, okay, champ, instead of sabotaging, why don't I value the feedback you're giving me? All of that was, was handled by listening to myself differently and to listening to my responses and reactions and my, my gut level feelings on things when they happened and not devaluing myself. So once I was able to hear the messages and get the direction I needed, I was able to make better and different decisions that got me where I wanted to go. And it was easier. So imagine, imagine being your own best advocate. Imagine being your own best resource and consistently being emotionally resourceful and knowing the right answers, knowing the right decisions, the best decisions for you even if that decision is meant to help you learn another lesson. So a lot of this is just how we start to frame these things and understand it. So that's really the point. And I look forward to hearing back from people on anything that they thought or any questions that you have. We're going to be digging into this more in the Designing Your Strengths calls as uh, because we're getting some more in-depth work happening with people um, and organizations uh, moving forward. On, their, on different strategies and different things that they're trying to be more aligned. And um, so we'll be digging more into this in depth and I'll be, uh, you know, come into the group, join the group, and you can uh, <clears throat> get on some of the whiteboard conversations and see some of the stuff I'm talking about in print. But and I'm, I'm really grateful and appreciative for everyone being here. And uh, I think next week I'll be back in the studio. Um, and I look forward to seeing you then. Thank you for joining us for another amazing episode of The Point with me, Jeff Spikes. The greatest compliment you could give me is liking, loving, and sharing this episode with all your friends. So please, if you're on Spotify, iHeart, or iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. If you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. Make sure to tag me. I love hearing from you, the listeners of this show. 
The links for all my social and iTunes are in the show notes. Also, if you'd like to engage with me in anything related to my coaching, consulting, speaking, or programs, please visit jeffspikes.com for everything you would need to know to engage with me offline. And lastly, thank you for your time, your attention, and your consideration. This is The Point.